Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome Ilya Frangos, partner at Galeen Fry Fitting and Frangos to the show. Ilya, welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. Hi, Ali. Thank you so much for having me. So I hear that lots of plaintiffs, personal injury uh, attorneys are crooks. What do you have <laughs> to say to that? I think, unfortunately, like any profession, there are some wonderful lawyers who care about their local community, do the best work for their clients, come prepared, are thoughtful. And then on the flip side, there are the ones that just try to take advantage of people and fortunately do things like chase down cases uh, in uh, in emergency rooms, uh, go to people's houses to try to sign up cases. And fortunately, there's there's just so many lawyers that that do this kind of work, it's hard to separate the good from the bad. Well, that's that's exactly it. And that's what I wanted to dig into today, because there's a lot of, you know, I suspect most of the attorney entrepreneurs are like you that that are listening, that they are like-minded and and they're very ethical. They wouldn't do any of those things that you mentioned, but it's so hard to differentiate yourself from maybe those kinds of attorneys from a client's perspective. Um, how have you gone about doing that? You know, it really starts with the community, the local community that we are in. I think with Google, with billboards, with radio, I mean, you have so many options out uh, for different lawyers. And one of the things that we decided to do is focus on what's around us. You know, who uh, I practice out of San Mateo County. So who is around us? What businesses are here? How can we support our local community? So when they see our name, our firm name, or any of the attorneys that, that, that work here, that they are able to associate us positively. And they do so because they've heard of us sponsoring a local business or maybe providing free legal advice to the community. So I think that is one way that we've decided to try to uh, stand out amongst the crowd of all these different lawyers that do this kind of work. That is so cool. And, and take me back to when you and your partners were discussing this approach. What was it that made you, you know, want to do this that maybe made you feel like you had a sense of responsibility for the community? It really started out with wanting to help people. And most of our clients are referrals from former clients or family friends or people who are who live locally who, who've come to our office. And we just started noticing that we were making a difference in their lives and that we were actually in some cases becoming friends with many of our clients. And it, it was something we enjoyed. It was something that brought us purpose. And I would rather work with someone who I might run into in the street. And when I run into them, I want them to give me a hug and to tell me what a wonderful job I did. That drive to have that kind of an impact with people that live around us, I think, is what kind of caused us to start thinking about this. Hey, maybe we can 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 help people around us and make a difference that way. That sounds that sounds like a really cool approach. It's one that I know a lot of attorneys have taken. Um, a lot of them are, you know, other practice areas, not so much PI. Although I'm sure plenty of PI attorneys do that route as well. But I'm so glad it's worked out well for you. It's great to see it when you know authentic, ethical marketing actually helps build a successful law firm. So hats off to you for all that you and your partners have achieved. And you have, you know, 
a very specific kind of practice. You're a trial firm. So tell us a little bit about how that's different. So there are many law firms out there that do personal injury that we call a volume practice or a mill. And their business model centers around getting a client into their office and out of their office as quickly as possible. And the downfall of that is that you don't always understand or appreciate the nature and extent of the damages that the client has because you haven't allowed enough time for those injuries or treatment to develop. So when you are a trial firm like we are and like some other wonderful firms that are out there, the difference is we prepare every case as if it is going to go to trial. And part of preparing every case for trial is recognizing that this is our one, our client's one opportunity to resolve their case, sometimes for the rest of their lives. So you have to be prepared. And our firm does all the work up front. We prepare the case up front. So by the time we're actually in litigation, if we have to file a lawsuit and go to court, we've done most of the work already. And by the time we resolve the case, we feel comfortable telling our clients, we know what your injuries are. We know how this is going to affect your life. We anticipate any future medical needs you may have, and we are comfortable resolving your case at this juncture. So that is the, the biggest difference between a trial firm and a firm that just tries to get people in and out as quickly as possible. And Ilya, how has that approach of always preparing for trial, how has that impacted the way that you're seen by uh, opposing counsel or judges or your firm's reputation? You know, what's funny is some of the best uh, referrals, the ones that make us feel the best are cases that are referred to us or, or clients that are referred to us from opposing counsel or from, from judges or from clerks in a judge's courtroom or from jurors. And we've had those over the years. And it really makes you feel wonderful because it, it's someone sometimes on the other side who is saying, hey, I really appreciate your work and your approach to things. And I trust you to represent my family member even though we were on opposite sides of the aisle. That's that's a really wonderful, wonderful feeling for us. Uh, what a wonderful compliment that is, because, I mean, my gosh, <laughs> they've been going up against you, and and they're clearly impressed by what they saw. So <laughs> that's really right. awesome. No, it's part of it is because you're in the trenches and you're going back and forth uh, and you're preparing a case and you're using your experts and you're cross-examining witnesses and so on and so forth, what happens is you do have a reputation of being a firm that doesn't back down, of being a firm that is willing to go the distance on a case. And that has yielded and resulted, at least for our firm, in, in larger recoveries because the insurance companies know or the other side knows, whoever it is, that these guys are going to take the case the distance because they've already prepared the case. And we have had cases where we associate in as counsel for other lawyers. And just by associating in, the value of the case goes up. And it all really comes back to preparation, time, perseverance, and effort. And I think that's what differentiates a trial firm from maybe a, a volume practice or maybe a, a solo practitioner who does a bunch of different areas of the law and doesn't specialize. That's awesome context for, the, for our conversation here, because we're going to dive into a topic that uh, kind of we've been, we've been working around and we're going to introduce right now. So I want to just kind of recap what we've talked about so far. So, um, Ilya, your firm largely gets clients through referrals and largely is marketing through the community. These are, you know, very intimate efforts that require time, you know, and they require effort in terms of building relationships. And that can be, that can be really time intensive. In addition to that, your firm is a trial firm. So the level of care, and the level of detail 
that you put into the level of attention that clients' cases get from you is going to be very high, uh, which is, which are all good things. When you and your partners are thinking about growth, this is where things get interesting because of the choices that the firm has made in terms of how the firm markets, which is an intimate, long-term relationship-building effort within the community and referral sources, and the kinds of cases it takes on, which are these you know, really detail-oriented, high-preparation cases that you're prepping like they could go to trial. How has that impacted your firm's ability to grow over the years? That's a really great question. When we first started doing this area of the law and when the firm first started, we handled primarily smaller accident cases. Uh, And smaller accident cases could be soft tissue, sprain, strain type cases. And frankly, as we continued to grow and get experience, we noticed that we were able to make a bigger difference in the bigger cases involving more serious and life-changing injuries. The types of cases where someone is unable to return to work or someone's going to need continued future medical care. And what has resulted is almost area of specialty where we have become known as a firm that handles more of the complex liability, complex questions of fault and complex damages or injuries. And even though we still occasionally will handle smaller cases involving maybe a soft tissue sprain, neck sprain, those types of cases, we feel that we make a greater difference and a greater impact on the client by handling some of the cases that are a little more serious and complex. We have continued to grow from our inception. The firm started with a solo attorney, Don Galeen, then two partners joined in, Chantel Fitting and John Fry, and then I became a partner a number of years ago to be Galeen, Fry, Fitting, and Frangos. And Don, who originally started the firm, was a zealous advocate for, for anyone who was being mistreated. And we've kept that theme as we've grown. Uh, And I think the biggest concern that we have with growth is you do not want your quality of work to suffer. You don't want the quality of work for your clients to suffer. So we put a great emphasis on making sure that when we're taking care of our clients, everyone is trained, trained well. And many times we have multiple lawyers on one case to really make sure that we are giving our clients the best opportunity to maximize the case potential for them. Really cool. And, and uh, Ilya, your firm operates primarily on a contingency basis. Is that right? That is right. And the contingency fee model is really pretty neat because most people that we see that come to us as clients, they can't afford to pay an, a lawyer hourly. They can't put down five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 for a retainer. And some of these cases, they can be litigated for years. So the contingency fee model really does two things. One, it makes us as invested as our clients to make sure that we can do the best possible job for them. But two, it takes the pressure and the stress off the client that they don't have to worry about financing the case. They don't have to worry about, you know, gosh, how am I going to pay for all this stuff? Because we are taking the risk and advancing all those costs and putting in the time, energy, and effort. So what it ultimately does, which is amazing, is it allows people, normal everyday people, to go up against these huge billion-dollar companies that would otherwise have every advantage in the world. Uh, so I think it's it's a really great model for for the everyday person. Yeah, it's really interesting because I think pre-pandemic, I, I did, actually did not hear much about it during the pandemic, but pre-pandemic, you know, flat fees were all the rage, and you kept hearing about things like, oh, the hourly fee model sucks, or the contingency fee model sucks, or 
whatever. But these models have evolved over years and they've evolved that way because each model has its place. And so you're absolutely spot on. I mean, the contingency model does have its place. As a firm that relies on that, I'm really curious to get your take. When it comes to adding new attorneys, adding new partners and expanding the firm, how do you decide to do that with maybe the lumpiness that can happen with, you know, in terms of cash flow in a contingency model type firm? Well, the first thing we do is we're very conservative in the way we run our business because we advance so much money for different cases. We always have to make sure we have enough in reserves to cover us. And when the pandemic hit, we were actually in a really good spot because we run our business so conservatively and the world halted like it did for everyone. We were able to ride the wave, make sure everyone stayed employed. As we came out of the pandemic and started gearing back up, that's when we noticed that we had more of a threshold to actually add uh, an attorney. And that's what we did. We recently added a very experienced lawyer. And we try to find someone who exemplifies our values and our beliefs, who's hardworking, ethical, cares. And as long as there are cases coming through the door and clients that continue to trust us, that allows us to grow and to bring in talented people who can just fortify and advance our our goal of, of doing the best job possible for our clients. Love that. Love that. Um, we're going to get back to that here in a moment. Uh, but before we do, you know, we wanted uh, we want you to make sure that you're relatable to our listeners. And that means kind of digging into a couple of things. One of the things you mentioned that you'd really like to do is to work fewer hours and uh, maybe take some more time off. So tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. The reality, unfortunately, for trial lawyers is that when you're preparing for trial or when you're in trial, you are 24-7 devoted to your case. Uh, at least the the true trial lawyers, the ones that do the best jobs, they are invested in their client's case and treat their client's case as if it's their sibling, their, their parent. And you are spending hours and hours and, and nights and weekends learning the file, making sure you know it inside and out, knowing every piece of evidence so that when you are in court and there's a witness up on the stand and they say something that's not true, you can find the one document that impeaches them or shows that they're not being truthful. So when you have those breaks in between the trials and trial prep, it's important, at least for me, to try to spend time, as much time as I can with my family. And what we have tried to develop, at least for me personally, is when those windows do come up, we try to take advantage of them. Try to take time to just be together, maybe go on a a small trip, maybe just try to get away a little bit. In an ideal world, I would work a little bit less and Uh, I've had the opportunity when we're not in trial and busy, I get to kind of maximize the time with my family. But there are those times where my family knows I'm in trial or trial prep mode, and I'm going to be having late nights and I may not uh, be around as much. But I will tell you, Alay, the one thing that I do try to make sure that I do every day, even when I'm in trial prep, is I try to make sure I'm eating meals with my family and that I'm doing at least one thing in the day to see them, whether it's go to the park with my kids, uh, whether it's just watch a movie with them. So I I try to be present so I don't disappear completely, but it it, it can be very difficult to do that when you're in trial or preparing for it. Yeah. um, Unless you have a, maybe a big team with you or you have a different role. I don't know how you get around that during trial. So I love the approach of, you know, taking the downtime when you can to spend time with the family. If you had your druthers in between trials, 
what would be the uh, the longest amount of time that that you would really like to take just to be off with your family? Man, I mean, I would love to take <laughs> three to six months would be amazing. I think the realistic thing would be, and I think of it as more of a, a vacation, maybe two or three weeks would be great in between. I think that gives you plenty of time to take care of yourself personally, exercise, getting outside. And by taking also care of yourself, you're more fun to be around and you're more enjoyable and you have more energy to do things with your family. So the self-care combined with finding the time to spend with your family, I'd love to do a lot more of it. But I think realistically, three weeks here and there is, is probably what is real most realistic. Yeah. And how does that compare to your your typical reality? Are you at, you know, three weeks or is it less or more? The way that we've been doing things lately is that we try to have one big summer vacation. So I try to make sure I plan no trials the month of July. I try to make sure that there's only cases in June or August. So we have one month uh, dedicated to just being with family. And then throughout the year, if there is uh, around the holidays, for example, I might take a little extra time. If my kids have some kind of a, a break, a spring break, I might take a few days here and there. But the one mainstay, the one staple is having the summer vacation to be able to just concentrate on being together and having that break from from craziness uh, right. uh, of work. Oh, yeah. How old are your kids? Well, my son is seven and my daughter is going to turn four in about a month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. it's Those it's are adorable ages. And I, I know exactly what you mean. I usually take uh, one month off during the summer. Uh, actually, we were planning on taking uh, June off this year, 2023, but just found out my son's planning on taking summer school. So he's a sophomore in high school <laughs> and uh, he's taking summer school. And I just found out about it. And I went, oh my God, there's like six weeks gone. Right. June no, mid July, done. And I, I've heard that the older the kids get, the more difficult it is to find those windows of time to do things because they start doing sports or they start doing different activities that kind of eat into that time that you may have earmarked in the past where you could get away with it when they were, you know, sub 10 years old. Exactly. So um, this is my first year dealing with this. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm used to the business getting in the way. This is a totally different side of things. <laughs> so uh, I love that you try and take a few weeks off and, and taking the time over the summer makes sense. For all you attorney entrepreneurs that are listening, when you get asked a question like that, if you could wave a magic wand or something like that, what would you want to do? And you tend to blurt out an answer like it could be, oh, I wish I could take a year off as a sabbatical, but realistically, dot, dot, dot. I want to <laughs> encourage all of you to go back to that first one, the unrealistic one, the one where maybe you want to take a year off or you want to work six months out of the year or some kind of crazy off the wall idea that may sound just wacko to you, but it's the first thing that comes out. And the reason it's the first thing that comes out is because it's what you really want. You know, what's interesting about that, LA, is I think that we have to have those types of goals. And in post-pandemic world, and I mean, I know we're still having to deal with the pandemic, but at least things are opening up. One of the things that came out of this is, is being able to use Zoom. For, for some of these uh, law firms and attorneys, you can really, you can have both in some ways. You can go find a remote destination and work from there. And maybe the hours are not the greatest, but it allows you to, to do both. So I think the horizons have been broadened in I know of many lawyers who, whether they're trial lawyers or corporate lawyers or otherwise, that they have taken that kind of time off. I'm going to take three months off or six months off. I'm going to take a year to go spend 
in wherever in Europe to just recharge and then come back. And you run the risk, right, that the job that you had may not be there for you when you return. But on the other hand, the ones I've spoken to that have had done those things have been fine because the same work ethic and drive and knowledge base is there. It's just the time that they took has allowed them to heal and they just get right back into it. So I, I agree with you. I don't think it's as crazy to think about as maybe it was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, it's it's really not. And by setting a goal like that, what it forces someone to do is it forces that person to dramatically change their thinking because the things that they're doing, if they continue to get better at it, maybe they can get an extra week off or something like that. But if you want to go from taking, you know, two weeks off a year, just say, to taking two months off a year, you have to change some things. You have to put in some systems. You have to maybe hire some people. You have to change your thinking and your approach. And all of those things take time. But all of those things are also going to improve your law firm as a business. And this is one of the things we work when we work with the clients. We have uh, one of our uh, one of our tools that we take them through is called the Paradise Planner because by taking longer vacations, we found that they actually run better businesses as a result. And so we're always, you know, it, it's always it's a fun goal, right? To talk to a client to have their one of their top three goals be I'm going to double my vacation or triple my vacation totally doable. may not be doable this year, but you can certainly work towards it. And it can probably happen faster than you might have thought possible. So again, hang on to that. Hang on to that initial thing for you attorney entrepreneurs. Don't dismiss it as unrealistic. Or even if you do, if it's worth it, set a goal for it anyway and give it a shot. You know, It can work out really, really, really well for you. You know, I was told by a family friend once, we we're talking about running a law firm versus being a lawyer. Um, and he told me it was my my partner's brother-in-law, and he told me sometimes when you're in the tor- you're in the tornado, and the tornado signifies the day-to-day work that you're doing, answering calls, responding to emails, and if you don't step outside of that tornado and start questioning why you do the things you do, you're never going to grow. And it stuck with me. He had, we had this conversation four or five years ago, and what I realized is that men, much of the time that I spent in the tornado. I really was not focusing or concentrating or thinking about how can I change my quality of life so that I can do more of the things that I really want to do, or how can I do more of the things that I'm good at? And what I started to do is started to look at the, my day-to-day, what I did, and then what were things I was able to rely on my colleagues uh, and my coworkers on. So what can I what can I delegate to someone or what can I work with someone uh, to do a certain whatever it is, activity or duty that I don't need to necessarily do, but I train someone to do it the way that I would want it done. And we have this mutual trust that I feel comfortable letting go of it. And once I started stepping outside of that tornado and looking at my day-to-day and trusting my, my coworkers, I noticed that I started to have more time and I was able to focus on really the things I was good at. So I, I think you're right. I think it's absolutely doable as long as you take the time, set that time aside to see how you could be more productive and more efficient. Couldn't agree more. Obviously, we're very like-minded on this particular topic, which is great. Uh, thinking ahead, you know, stepping outside the tornado for a moment, what are some of the things that uh, Galeen, Fry, Fitting, and Frangos are looking forward to over the next you know, 12 to 18 months? Well, we just brought on a, a new attorney, trial attorney, experienced, and he has complimented so far our trial team, and we want to be able to offer the services that we offer 
to more people. Really, that's been the goal for the last few years because as we've talked about, we're all, there are only so many of us that can help. And we've had cases come in that we've had to turn away or turn down because we just don't have the capacity to take on more cases. And we felt that by bringing someone else on who is like-minded, we can help more people. And the reason I got involved and became a lawyer, uh, or the reason that I became a lawyer was because my dad was a lawyer and he helped people. That was what his goal was. And people would come up to him in the street or at events and just thank him for the difference that he made. And I was really inspired by that. And what we have tried to do here with our firm is help as many people as possible. And if there's a demand, which there is, we have clients calling all the time. We want to be able to expand our services to help as many people as we can. So that is our goal. Our goal is to continue to grow, but maintain the quality. Uh, we don't want to take shortcuts. We don't want to have clients that we don't call back or they get lost in the shuffle or we cut corners or just try to get them in and out. We don't want to do that. We don't want to sacrifice that quality. So the slow and steady growth is what we're hoping to do over these next 12 to 16 months. And Ilya, if there's someone listening here that wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I live and breathe by my email. Uh, my email is uh, I and my last name, Frangos, at gff-law.com. That is the best way to get a hold of me. I check my email uh, all the time, unfortunately, for my wife and I. Um, I'm checking it all the time. And you know, one of the things that has actually developed over time is uh, social media. I'm very active on Instagram. And Alay, I don't know um, uh, what your thoughts are on social media, but I was encouraged by a friend about a year ago to get involved on Instagram and start talking about the law and what I think about certain things and evaluating current events and cases. And it has been so much fun. Uh, I've enjoyed doing it. I make videos. I've had a lot of people actually call me and thank me or reach out with questions. And so that's another way that people can get a hold of me. Uh, my IG handle is Lionheart underscore lawyer. Uh, so that Love is not that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know I I've gotten some grief for it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, but uh, I just thought when I was trying to come up with something, I thought, what is something that shows pride in what we do, that shows authority, that shows um, someone that that is part of a pack and a family. And that's kind of how it came up with that. So, um, so that those are some ways to get a hold of me. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Ilya, thank you so much for being on the show today. Everyone that is Ilya Frangos partner with Galeen Fry Fitting in Frangos. They do work throughout the state of California are based in San Mateo County here in the Bay area, specializing in uh, plaintiff injury cases, especially catastrophic ones. Ilya, thank you again. Thank you so much. Ilya. This was a lot of fun. That's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, 
You can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.